This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Man War Podcast is sponsored by hotmovies.com. Try out some ethical paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at hotmovies.com and use the promo code MANHORE. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all who survived the Battle of Winterfell. Although, I mean, come on, we all know somebody was fucking during that fight, like down in the crypt, right? Somebody must have been like, if we're going to die tonight, we might as well go out fucking. Hey, everybody, how you doing? This is Billy Presida. You are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. This week on the show, we've got porn star Mia Isabella. Ooh, and I cannot wait to share her with you in a bit. But first, get them hot. Get them dates. Show dates. Oakland, California, June 1st. We're doing a Man Whore Podcast live show. Yes, we're doing Man Whore Podcast family style. Ooh, Billy, what's family style? That sounds gross. Uh, One, don't judge. Two, it's not like that. We're going to do a Man Whore Podcast live show in Oakland on June 1st. It's going to be me and my baby sister, Kelly. And we're going to be having an, uh, an open and honest conversation. That's going to be at the Octopus Literary Salon. It's a 7.30 show. Doors open at 6.30. Uh, tickets are 25 at the door. $20 online. And you can get your tickets uh, at manhorpod.com slash tour. Chicago, don't worry. I haven't forgotten about you. I'm trying to lock down a venue and a date uh, by the end of this week. So you will get a notification about that very, very soon. Uh, but, but I'm looking. I'm aiming for one of the last two weekends of June. So Chicago, hang tight. Oakland, get your tickets. And everybody, listen up. Manhorcon, August 2nd through August 4th. Will you be there? Will you join me and your fellow fan whores in the greatest city in the world, New York City, for a, just a really fun, awesome, kick-ass, sex-positive weekend? Oh, it's going to be a blast. I've already announced that there's going to be a Man Whore Podcast live show. There's going to be an exclusive after party, which which gets a little gets a little sexy, gets a little crazy uh, as we approach midnight. Uh, we're going to have that party. Uh, we're also going to have a roast of Billy. Hey, how you doing? And do you want to join us at Man Con this year? Of course you do. You're looking at your finances right now. You're looking at flights. You're trying to figure out if you can make it work and make it happen. And I know you can. I trust you. I believe in you and your finance, uh, your financial options. Come join us in New York City, August 2nd through 4th. Go get your weekend pass today at manhorpod.com slash weekend. You're not going to want to miss this. You're not, not going to want to hear about all the fun, cool, awesome shit that happened because you weren't there. Don't be afraid about coming alone. We got maybe half of the people show up solo and they leave making so many new friends. 
So get your weekend pass right now at manhorpod.com slash weekend. All right. So, uh, you know, the, the first podcast I ever subscribed to and legit followed, uh, it was called, it was, it's called WTF with Mark Marin. <laughs> Maybe you heard of it. They had, uh, they had this like weird niche guest one time. His name was Barack Obama. It's no big deal. I love WTF. I love, I love Mark Marin. I like his stand up. I like his show. He had on, um, I mean, it doesn't matter who he had on. Last week, he did an episode, and in the intro, he he read an email. And in the email, the person, the the writer, included a quote from a book about clowns. I promise this is relevant. Mark read this on his show, uh, his episode with Brian Callen, and it really spoke to me. Kind of really, I really connected with this, and I wanted to play it for you. So, why don't you listen to this? A clown entering a performance space must experience pleasure at being there, even if that clown is nervous or afraid or unsure. A clown revealing his or her vulnerability must experience pleasure in doing so, even if what he or she reveals feels embarrassing or overwhelming. The clown's pleasure lets the audience know that it is okay, that it is okay for the audience to consider what the clown reveals, that the clown is okay with what he or she reveals, and that it is okay for the audience to be affected. Moved by what is revealed, moved, provoked to tears or to laughter. Crucially, the clown's pleasure allows for the possibility of laughter. It allows the audience to laugh at the beauty of the clown's ridiculousness. And in laughing at the clown's ridiculousness, the audience laughs at its own, unquote. Sue Morrison, clown through mask. You know, I'm I'm basically a, a sad, slutty clown boy, and I do genuinely enjoy sharing so much with all of you. Um, being transparent is one of uh, my few strengths. I'm occasionally funny, but like always transparent and honest, it's it's just what I know how to do. And people seem to take a lot from it. Some of you have expressed that you've learned things. Some of you all have said you've, uh, you know, you've been able to relate. It's been able to help you with your stuff. And that that validation helps make this worth it. And I appreciate those of you who validate that entertainment with you know, and I'm not just saying money is the only validation, but, you know, every new Patreon pledge or the, those of you who show up to my shows or someone who buys a T-shirt, that makes me feel more comfortable putting this out there. I was thinking about that quote as I approached um, Saturday because Saturday I broke things off with someone who I like, who I care about, who has come, who, who entered my life at not the best time. Uh, some of y'all might have uh, might remember that I've referenced a person that I had been seeing the last few months. Those of you in the Champagne Room and I think the Peep Show have either seen her or have read uh, some of our stories together. You know, it's one thing when you – it's actually a topic that came up in the Champagne Room right before I started recording this intro. Someone was asking, you know, he was like, I got I to gotta, um, break things off with someone I've been on three dates with. How do I do that? And it seems to be a typical problem. How do I break things off with someone? And I would say you just break, you just say you don't want to see them anymore. But a lot of people go, oh, yeah, but I don't want to hurt them. Let that go. You're going to hurt them. Like, as soon as I really understood that I needed to end things with this woman, I knew this was going to hurt her. And that pain to me, because I knew it was going to cause her pain. You can't avoid that. It's, it's an unavoidable thing. 
why did I break things off? I, you know, I, she hit me up on Reddit originally, and this was supposed to be someone who we were just going to like Netflix and chill, like legit. She wanted to just come over and fuck around and watch some Netflix and have some more fuck arounds. That's what I opted into. What I didn't realize was I was going to connect with her and, and like her and want to spend time with her and text every day and all that stuff. The problem is I don't really have the capability for that right now. And I've been really busy um, with a lot of stuff that I'm planning. You know, I'm planning these two live shows out of, t- out of town. I'm playing Man Whore Con. I've got some other exciting things I'm working on. Getting my you know stand up back in in working order, hustling to you know make ends meet dollar wise. I have not been dating. Like I haven't even felt the desire to swipe. And he was like, I told her about a month ago. I was like, uh, you know, I I don't think I can. This is going to progress into a boyfriend girlfriend relationship. I don't think I have the bandwidth for that right now. And I, and I don't want you to continue on like waiting for me to get there. I I'm not thinking I'm going to get there. She was okay with that, but we also haven't been fucking, and that's on me because I've been having a crazy low libido, and I'm not sure if it's because I'm I'm just I don't want to be fucking, or if I just don't want to be fucking her, or if I just don't want to be fucking her right now because I'm at the heaviest I've ever weighed in my life. I don't know. I figured I'm not gonna find out by by staying with her. Because although I love the affection and everything I get from her, I didn't, I didn't really want to use her as like an affection machine. I, I didn't think that'd be fair to her either. And so I had to make a tough decision to break that off. And um, honestly, that it feels like a breakup kind of proves my point that it was going in a direction I wasn't comfortable with, at least for right now. So that was rough. That was tough. That was not fun. I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but the title technically for this podcast has changed um, or at least it should appear changed in whatever podcast app you're using you know this show started as a sex positive quest for love billy would like to be in a romantic relationship i have since starting the show been in a couple of those um been in a few of those in a more one-sidedly way um been more on the receiving end of a lot of the i can't do this anymore because it's getting too serious I've been on that side a bit, and I've changed the show name to just the Man or Podcast, A Sex Positive Quest, because I think that's more, that I think that allows me the space to explore whatever it is I feel like I need to be exploring at that time. We all now know that Billy is capable of being loved and loving someone. Um, I know that now. So I'm less nervous about no one's going to love me or date me ever again. That's not really a concern of mine anymore. So it might sound odd to some of you when I say somebody wants to be in a romantic relationship with me and I and I don't, even though I like her. Because I guess, um, you know, as I evolve as a person, this show also itself is going to continue to evolve between the types of topics we discuss and the types of guests we have. I mean, obviously today we've got a porn star, Mia Isabella, ain't nothing changed there. <laughs> Um, but you know, you never know who I'm going to seek out and and think that I need to talk to here. And I hope you will all be supportive of those decisions uh, as the show moves forward. I know a lot of you, um, could relate to the concept of like wanting something more and the other person not. 
and that might have been an appeal for you for the show. So I hope that Billy not being all um, um, girlfriend seeking right now is going to be a turnoff to you. I hope that will be accepted as just, you know, where I'm at right now. So, yeah. Um, I don't have an easy transition into this. Uh, I I guess oh, let me let me take an let me make an attempt at a segue. Hold on a second. Uh, doing all this for you, you know, is worth it in in large part because of my patrons. Okay, we found it. Hey, segue into the fan or appreciation moment because I appreciate the awesome members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Yes, uh, this is the part of the podcast where I like to, to show some gratitude to a few members uh, at a time who have uh, been a part of this wonderful group. I want to give a shout out right now to Adam Grimes. You uh, you seem so fun and outdoorsy. It uh, it gives me anxiety. Yeah, I, I see. All, I, I snooped a bit at your Facebook and it was all like, oh, man, he like he hikes and he bikes and he travels. And am I? Hiking and biking and traveling enough. I should hike and bike and travel more. And I, I don't know if I make enough money to hike and bike and travel. So I'm just gonna just sit in my room and, and watch Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your support, buddy. Uh, shout out to Jason Day. I enjoyed your brief tenure with us in the Peep Show, and uh, I do hope you go on to bigger and better things. But thank you so much uh, for your doll hairs. They were much uh, appreciated. Also, a shout out to someone who chose to go by Adventurous Couple. You voted for Trump. Uh, you gave me money. And conscious capitalism is confusing. So I guess thank you for helping me pay my rent, but also do better. And, you know, just and, and I don't normally say this, but thank you really to uh, everyone in the Champagne Room and the Peep Show and my my members who email me on the regular and DM me on Instagram all of y'all, you're great. You're, I, honestly, my days would be a lot more boring and lonely without you. So um, big ups to everyone there. And if you would like to get some big ups yourself and join this awesome sex positive community and support this podcast, because, hey, it's important to support independent content creators, head on over to patreon.com slash man podcast. And now for Mia Isabella. That's who some of you are here to listen to today. This was uh, one of my many episodes recorded at the AVN Awards in Las Vegas back in January. Uh, just a brief side note. I didn't exactly intro her during the recording. No big deal. You know who we're talking to. It's trans porn star, and I mean a star. Mia Isabella. HotMovies.com is a fabulous pay-per-minute porn site uh, I think is both an ethical and affordable way to hashtag pay for your porn. And you can watch all sorts of Mia Isabella movies over there. Oh my gosh, they got so many. You can watch all sorts of man whore podcast guests at HotMovies.com. Uh, so why don't you head on over there and get yourself 20 free minutes on top of any package you sign up for when you use promo code MANHOR. Again, go to hotmovies.com, promo code manhor, get 20 extra minutes, hashtag pay for your porn, or you know what? Hashtag pay for some of your porn. Or hey, hashtag uh, try the free trial with promo code manhor. Now I'm going to go finish watching uh, Mia Isabella get fucked in the ass, but why don't you go ahead and, and listen to me uh, chit chat with her before the AVN Awards. <sighs> <sighs> Oh, <sighs>
Beautiful. Well, you said you have it, and so so, and forgive me, I have not read your bio. Okay. I did not get time to. I actually like that you didn't do that. Yeah, it gives you a chance to be more authentic with it. So. Normally, I don't like to do a ton of research. I'm like, let me just this. This is us getting to know each other, in my opinion. Um, at least that's like the better version of the show. <laughs> well, here we are, AVN 2019. Yeah. <laughs> you caught me before the red carpet. I did so. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, and I, so you you dropped something as we were, I was getting set up, and I was like, "What? Wait, you haven't shot in years and years, and you're in the industry, mm-hmm. and so do you still produce adult content? I do. I do. Um, I produce through um, different platforms. My favorite one currently is OnlyFans, and I've okay. been working with them for about a year and a half. They've been amazing. And <laughs> and and OnlyFans is such like uh, seems to be have become like an integral part of the industry for a lot of people. Do you want to explain what OnlyFans is? Well, OnlyFans is a platform that allows you to give your content directly to your members, so your fans mm-hmm. that really buy your products, buy your scenes pay for your clips, want to contact you directly through messaging, things like that. It gives you a chance to have multiple streams of income through one platform and count, you know, interact with your fans directly. And um, it's easy. You know, for me, I don't, I'm not very tech savvy. So I'm one of the last girls to always kind of get involved in something new, like a platform like this. And um, it just, it works for me. I'm not tech savvy. So being able to just use my phone and instantly upload something that's spontaneous and realistic and in the moment in my real life and share it with the fans has been really cool for them and is it only is it like mostly pornographic stuff or is it like whatever whatever yeah it's whatever it's whatever but i do i send them a lot of like sexy little videos and strip teases and personal one-on-one um chats and they get to interact with me live so it's pretty cool kind of like a private paid for like instagram it's like your your own little website or like a porn like almost like a porn patreon i don't know if you know patreon yeah yeah Okay, but yeah. Way better. Way, way better. Way, <laughs> way yeah. better. Yeah, one that allows porn. I on tried that. to do Patreon before when they weren't being so um, sticklers with their, sure. their content. Well, and we, stuff. Everyone got pretty stickler after Sesta Foster. Right. <laughs> and um, it was just too, I think it was just too much to have to do. You have to shoot the content, then you have to edit the content and then upload it like on a whole different scale. From OnlyFans, you can literally do it from your Ooh. phone. Yeah. Instantly. Oh. And they can get that content immediately. So that gives them a chance to actually stay involved with it. So I think content producing wise, I just do it through OnlyFans and keep my site active, which we've had for many years and it's winning awards and all that kind of stuff. So even though I don't shoot for a lot of companies, um, my fans keep buying everything I do and supporting it. So they're amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So wait, so, uh, so you keep your, when you say you like to keep your website updated, but you don't shoot new videos Except for other companies. I don't so shoot you, for other companies. So you like just self, basically you're self producing yes. your own porn. Now. Cause with, even with my site, I was lucky enough to be one of the few girls in my genre who were the first to have their own personal websites mm. and through a network. And because of that, they gave us the power to control how we shot our content, what models we wanted to work with. We had our own studio. Everything was handled from makeup artists to testing and allowed us to be real producers and have a say in the content that was shot of us. So I've been so spoiled and so used to shooting and, and organizing and telling my producers, this is what my vision is, create this for me, that it's just difficult for me to work with certain people that I don't think understand the quality that I like to bring to the camera. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so when was the last time you shot for like other companies? Gosh. Um, the last company I shot for, I think, was Kink. 
Okay.com, TS Seduction, and um, they're an amazing company. They do mm. similar to how my company always ran our stuff. So I loved working with them and they're amazing trailers. But it has, it's got to be at least five years or, or more that I've shot for an actual company outside of my own. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah and I've been super lucky that like I really do well. So and I think with you know without stuff like OnlyFans, like so you know I've talked to a couple like one or two other people who have been like retired from scene work, mm-hmm. who were like, oh, I don't do that, but I still sell sexy in these other avenues or through these other platforms. So it's like someone could just be doing OnlyFans, and maybe they haven't shot like what most people consider porn mm-hmm. right. in years, but they're like, no, I'm still around, I'm still in the industry, I just do it my own way and just uh-huh. through my people. It just gives you more power. All these different platforms that they have available for us now, there was such a long period of time where everything we did was stolen, you know, pirated. Yeah. We weren't making a lot of money in this industry. I mean, the industry was making tons of money yearly, but performers ourselves were not earning the way we should have been oh. earning and how it was before that time. Sure. So this has just given performers their power back and their ability to earn what's due to them. So it's amazing. Well, how long have, uh, have you just been in the industry? My Sarah? first movie I shot day after my 18 i just turned 19 so that was my first movie okay um and that was 12 13 years ago almost so what what are some big differences you see between the industry um now and the industry then well the industry when i first started was like rock and roll like we had the biggest venues the avian awards were way huger than they are now if that's even a word huger okay um and it just it felt like you were a real rock star you were earning real money you had Great opportunities. There was contracts. You weren't girls. sharing a room like a lot of people <laughs> at the Hard Rock are right now. Oh gosh, that would suck. No, but there was a time when like we were earning a lot of money, and then there came that big gap in that period during the recession where um, everybody used that as an excuse to not pay us accordingly, and then our content was being consistently stolen and pirated, and we weren't able to earn directly as performers. Scene rates dropped for people, so of course I wasn't going to shoot for people that are not paying enough. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think that the, the recession hit around the same time where like tube sites became more ubiquitous. It was because, that time. Yeah. Cause like mm-hmm. just before then, it was still kind of like it was pirated, but you were getting it from like a, a Napster or a Morpheus, a LimeWire. Like even I remember the beginning of college, like I was still kind of using LimeWire. Right, okay. And so, and then the recession hits. And then afterwards, like no one's really using those anymore for porn, mm-hmm. but the tube sites were all there. Yeah, like I don't remember using mm-hmm. tube sites in 2007, you know, at okay. the end of high school. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, So you're saying you were like more of a rock star then. You're making more money then. I feel like the industry as a whole, as far as performers directly, um, yeah, they were making a lot more money. And then, you know, especially in the trans market, we were just starting to get our hold and being able to have creative control. First girls having their solo sites, working with our own networks, um, taking control of that particular genre directly as performers. Having some say over the titling. Having say over everything. And being like, I'm not doing movies with these titles. There was a time they didn't even let titles. trans performers come on to accept our awards at AVN. Really? Oh, yeah. We had to fight for that. You know, I was I was here before that even happened. Y'all were treated like most clever title, like my they friend Aton Levine. Who's... They weren't even like letting us go on the red carpet sometimes. Yeah, unless you were a really big name and like you were associated with certain people, you had a good publicist. They weren't even letting girls come on the red carpet. So we had to fight for that. So I, yeah, it's been a lot of changes happening. What industry. what's fighting for that look like? Making in a fuss, talking straight directly yeah. with AVN, asking them to make meetings and giving our opinions on what we expect as performers. We are, if not the top earning genre in pornography, we are in the top two or mm-hmm. three, and we have maintained that for over a decade. 
Yeah. How long did it take? Because so, like, you know, I can talk to people who had, uh, you know, who have heard of that fight or who have benefited from it and are appreciative of it and and make their own stances. You mm-hmm. know, um, like I talked to Venus Lux and you know, yeah, how she I said, we did a big interview with Daily Dot years ago, and it was mm-hmm. like the difference in the trans performers and their acceptance in even the expo. Yeah. You know? And but so when like when did the when did they finally kind of get their shit together and be like, oh yeah, let's. Well, the stars are, you know, ourselves, like I said, we had meetings with Avian. A lot of right. girls went in and, and petitioned for that and requested, you know, to be taken seriously. And um, they, they made the appropriate changes for us. I would say in the last five years, probably, okay. before we, I stopped shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was it just trans women coming out to do that? Or did you have, like, allies no, come in and join the conversation? No, we had allies in the industry that are, you know, big producers and, you know, people that understand what our value is in this industry and how yeah. much we earn for these companies, you know? Yeah. Were, were there any were there any like early adopters to being like yeah like let's treat trans women like women and humans and <laughs> you know like base some base level stuff um i think yeah that the base level stuff needed to just be recognized in general because, the humanity yeah, to be recognized. I mean, yeah and as a whole when you're in the adult industry we're all so different but similar we're sharing we're all considered in the same block no matter what you know genre of porn you're doing it's we're not really accepted in mainstream you know, mm. regardless. So none is better than the other. And it just, I think it just took time for everyone to become allies in the industry and say, this is our industry. We are an eclectic community with all kinds of different people. But as a whole, we are one. Yeah. And we all earn and work for the same companies. And, you know, it, this is our awards time. It's not just one particular person's awards. It's all of us who create content and make this industry a billion-dollar industry. Yeah. And without us, like, we can get the fuck out of here and we'll go find some other way to, you know, <laughs> we'll just make our stuff without you. Well, I mean, we're able to do that now. Yeah, which is an incredible time, and whether it's porn. And, and I've been seeing, you know, doing the show for the last whatever many years, a few years, or you know, talking to more and more porn people and uh, getting to know the industry better. I continue to see more and more parallels between um, porn and comedy or porn and just being an entertainer mm-hmm. um, when it comes to just being having access to your fans, mm-hmm. um, being able to go directly to them and not needing a middle person exactly. to to sell to, like having sites like an OnlyFans or a Patreon. I mean, Patreon, Snapchat, FanCentral, ManyVids, there's so many platforms. These so platforms that go like, hey, these are your fans. And yes. like, we're going to give you a little, we're going to take a little cut for infrastructure, right. but we're going to give you the infrastructure to sell to them yeah, exactly. rather than you getting paid a, a smidgen of what a company made would have otherwise made off of you. And you can become a star all on your own these days now. You don't even need the backing of big companies. You just build your social media branding. You work on those platforms. You shoot your own content. You own your own content. You get your earnings directly and you can create your own image just that way now. It doesn't take a contract for a big production company to make you a star. Yeah. It doesn't take a publicist to have to put you out there, which publicists obviously help. Um, having an agent obviously helps if they are a great team and stuff like that, but you don't need all that anymore. Yeah. You can do it yourself. Yeah, you just need that. Power but now, the internet. But now when you started in the industry, there wasn't this, uh, right. this social media. There wasn't this direct access to mm-hmm. fans. And so you still need a business. Like social media requires business savvy um, to do it well. And a lot of y'all of like are so great at it. Mm-hmm. Back then, what did good business savvy in porn look like? Being one of those girls that got a contract deal or being a part of a network where you shot your own content and people, you know. Um, you, were a contra- you were a contract girl in the beginning? With SMC, yeah. Okay. SMC Revenue was the first or one of the two um, companies that made their own network of trans contract girls. And we all had our own solo sites. And it was the first time ever that we had that kind of power over our niche 
and uh, controlling our content. And, and, and just in a few words, you care, can you just explain the concept of someone who's like on contract be, as opposed to people who just shoot porn and people who are like the, the contract girls? Well, yeah, know? obviously, if you're a contract girl, you get a lot more press. You know, you have a company behind you who's putting out new press releases, new DVD titles all the time. They're making sure that different products are being nominated, different yeah. DVDs and things like that. So you're guaranteed a certain number of, like, of well, films. Well, you're going you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna to build your, your base faster if they have the kind of network where they have a huge pool of members to choose from. Um, and then what was the other part of the question? Oh, just the concept of like to have or not the, having a contract. Yeah, well, just nowadays because like, it's it. a, it's like a ter- yeah. Now it, it, then it's, it just was a, it's a term that I don't think not everyone with knows. The, yeah. the big company. That's how you became a star. My first um, project I ever did was for Anabolic, who at the time was one of the biggest production companies. I think it was Diabolic and Anabolic, or sister companies. And I became an instant star because they had such a huge you know, grasp on the industry, productions and distribution deals. And the DVDs were always in every single store around the world and that kind of thing. So it's unnecessary now. Yeah. But I mean, I, that made me a star. You know, they introduced me to that market. And overnight, you know, it kind of seemed like that's how it was. You would have had a very different career should you have not ever, if you had you not become a contract girl early on. Um, Probably, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> well, I still would have been successful because I'm very competitive. Uh-huh. And so I would have just shot for the top companies and, and made sure that I was seen and out there. And I always had a good publicist that made sure I was constantly in the media. But it did help. Yeah. It did help at that time. Again, now you don't need it. Just be a little tech savvy, good with social media marketing, and good at producing your own stuff, even if it's just with a phone. And you can build a base all on your own. Yeah. Did you have this type of business marketing savvy when you – First got out, was there like a different career path that you had in mind? Like where oh, you were like, well, I'm going to be a business owner. It just turned out to be <laughs> your own body as the business, so, so to speak. I finished school when I was 16 to go into medical school early to get my prerequisites. Smarty pants. Yeah, I, I, I was in that kind of realm <laughs> and a violinist and all that kind of stuff in the orchestra. Um, I was expected to go to medical school. I had a corporate job at 18. Wow. And then I wanted to follow my dream, which was fashion. I ended up going to school in Paris and getting a degree in fashion marketing and merchandising. I opened up my first store when I was 20, 21 on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. And I got to do that dream, but I missed that little bit of a rush that I got in that other world where it felt like I was getting to be an have an alter ego and things were more exciting. And um, I could explore my sexuality as a trans woman who was learning my body and learning to accept myself and uh, be open with myself. And um, I did that project, that first project, and that was just kind of it. I was kind of hooked on that the attention and the glamour and the lifestyle of the industry. And then I just followed it. So it wasn't even about contract. I just got excited about being naughty. Yeah. Wait, so, <laughs> so did you like in the beginning was, it was more like doing a little, cause you said you had a, uh, I was know, being rebellious against my family. Right. So it wasn't like you were like starting the industry, like full force in the beginning. Cause you mm-hmm. said you opened the thing at 20. So Biden, you like missed I did a project. Performing. I yeah. did a project and I, I thought it was like a photo shoot. And then I got there and they're like, we're shooting a, a porn movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I'm in this big mansion in the Valley. And you were still down. People. And I was just like, okay, how much are you paying me? They wrote the check, showed me. And I was like, okay, I'll try. <laughs> I, like, I can't promise that I'll be able to do it. Cause I've never done anything like this before. Yeah. But as soon as the camera came on, it was something different that, came out of me and I did a really successful movie and it was big. I have heard, I have talked to some other women like, uh, like, like, like these like early twenties women who say like they, they, some of them did use or are using porn to experiment. Like that is how they want to figure out what they like, what they don't like in their personal life. 
by doing it, you know, for at least money. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you know, if I didn't like it, at least I got paid. Right. I did uh, my first threesome on camera from my side. I had never done it in real life. And yeah. I had the power and control to feel confident to create this scenario for myself and, and make that art in real life. And then did you end up liking th- like was did you oh, discover like it. oh threesomes is why I like to but do I didn't I didn't keep doing it but okay. I just I like the ability to have that power and control mm-hmm. in that environment so that's why I was able to do it I'm a little nervous in real life but I don't really? know how people will well when you're in in private quarters with someone who's in their the animal lust and there's not anyone to control mm-hmm. the environment you can't stop two guys from doing whatever they want with you. They really just lose their minds and are, just go crazy during the sex. So I think that kind of deters me from, I like to feel in control mm-hmm. in my sex. I like to be the powerful person. And if I don't feel like I'm in control, I kind of lose that desire for it. I mean, I think you can still have a threesome with two men and so maintain the control so long as they're the right two men who know it how to, to listen the right two men, right. to what you want. I mean, I really don't think any sex should, um, at least the ethics of it all, uh, I don't think, Real sex and porn sex have to be that different. Like they'll look different, but I don't think the ne- the negotiations of consent or like the attitudes or like of the course. caring about how someone's feeling and reading. I don't think any of that has to be different in the real world. So like when you say, ah, I like it to control it on soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like I mean, you got one person at least down. Like so, you're you're halfway to a threesome uh, that you can that you can be trusting in, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's just about finding that other person who won't be a shithead. Well, yeah, that understands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, what, I, what what the person wants that's creating that environment. Yeah, you got to be have two partners that are catering to, you know, your desire to be open to them and experiment. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I found the right two. Oh, well, I, mean, I hope you do. <laughs> so that way you can enjoy this this thing that you thought was really fun on camera, maybe off camera. Of sometimes. course. Yeah, I mean, have you have you discovered anything that you did really like um, by doing it on camera? And we're like, ooh, that's great. Like, I'm gonna go home and try that with. Such and such person. I've always just been pretty open sexually and pretty freaky. Yeah. So anything that I would generally do on camera, I enjoy in real life. I think at the beginning of my career, um, it, well, that's funny. They marketed me as a top. But really, okay. I'm naturally submissive and a bottom to my partners because I have alpha men as the ones that I usually end up in relationship you with. You have what? Alpha men. Oh, alpha men. So I'm okay. usually submissive. Alpha men. I was like, is that a disorder? I don't no. know. Alpha men. <laughs> but as they marketed me, they made me as the dominant. Sure. They marketed me as the dominant top. Any particular you know, reason why? I have a giant cock. <laughs> okay. That's a good reason. <laughs> yes. So that's why they did that. So that was kind of parallel in the beginning because I'm naturally um, a bottom. So it was kind of interesting that they had me turn on this other character. So that was just really for show yeah. most of my career because that's not yeah. what I liked. And I learned that obviously that that really wasn't what I liked. That's a great that part of my life. That's now a great, I kind of, I enjoy it. It's a great example of you were saying like, no, 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 I like that you don't know much about me. Like it will be authentic. And it's I'm like, why were you top giant cock? Oh, well, there oh, we go. Right. He didn't know. Hi guys. He didn't know. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> Um, I mean, what, what, were you, so were you topping earlier on in your career? First movie. First movie. First and movie. how long had you been transitioning or transitioning? Oh, I already had lived my gender identity okay. since I was five years old. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I hadn't had any surgeries to transform until I was of legal age because my family would not give me consent sure. until I was an adult. So. Well, because I because I had a couple, I've had some friends who said like you know they'll they'll go on a date and then you know they want her to like top them and she's like yeah no but that was like it's very dysphoric for them and you, then yes can like you know knock them out of whack so I didn't know if maybe that was something early if you're 
obviously if you had already been living in a way for mm-hmm. so long, but you know, I feel like if, oh gosh, if you're just discovering that and then like, you know, a year later, they're like, oh, we want you to do this thing. That's, that's oh. actually kind of how it went because mm-hmm. I had, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 17, almost mm-hmm. 18. And so Me I too. did my first movie <laughs> at, right after I'm 18 turning 19. So yeah. I didn't really got to experiment a lot sexually at sure. that point. Um, so yeah, that was how I guess I learned, but I was able to do it on film. So I was able to be a good star for that kind of marketability because I was able to perform really well. That's dope. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Even though it wasn't my actual preference, Mm -hmm. you know, I learned how to turn it on and off. You said your parents, um, didn't consent to any sort of surgeries, but how were they throughout, you know, childhood growing up? I'm very lucky. Very blessed, which I found out mm. as becoming an adult. When I met other trans women, I had no idea that it was such a huge thing where people that our families didn't support us or you know, a lot of trans women or trans people end up being a huge part of the homeless population very early on. Um, I didn't know those things. And I learned that growing up after as an adult in this industry. Mm. Uh, I was very lucky. Yeah. I have an amazing family who loves me and allows me to and has always allowed me to be creatively open and expressive in any avenue I chose. Even if they didn't like it. Yeah. Um, they were just holding off on like, you well, know, going yeah, under I mean, a knife. Me- that's all. Medically, hormone therapy mm-hmm. and surgeries. Of course, that scared them. Um, their baby, you yeah. know. Yeah. So Also, like people our age, like, you know, we didn't have like message boards the way they did now. We didn't have Tumblr when like you're coming of age. And so in a different way, I feel like um, whether, you know, you're trans, queer, if you're uh, part of any sort of sub community, like you can find that community easier now than when we were growing up. Yes, you know, like you know, if you're, I didn't know anything about my community, I, my ability to the industry allowed me to have the ability to get to know other people in this walk of life mm-hmm. and learn about the community and the sexuality um, and all those things that I have would have never learned on my own at such a quick speed that I was able to transform in every way that I needed to. Mentally, emotionally, sexually, physically, um, my, my industry helped me do that and explore myself. Yeah, did, I mean, did you know any other like trans people no. growing up? Oh no, no, that's not true. I did. I met my girlfriends when I was eighteen. Okay, with the first trans girls I had ever seen. They lived in the apartment community I lived in when I was going to college, and there was like a squad of five of them. And I was just by myself, very antisocial. And they would always see me walking to school, you know, going to class. And uh, one day they just talked to me and I ended up hanging out with one of the girlfriends who ended up being my best friend. And we're still best friends to this day. Um, Yeah, there was a squad of five of us and I was the baby. So I got to learn things at an accelerated pace once I met them. And I think that made it easier for me to be comfortable too. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. Although, but was part of the part of you just go like, wait, how did you all five get together so quickly? I've yeah. been, I haven't been able to find anyone. Right. Well, I lived in Tennessee for a long time as a child. That's so funny you say that because like that Venus moving too. Uh-huh. That's like no, Venus has been there for a while. I think. Yeah, and it was, but I was like, why? Like mm-hmm. ten, Tennessee? Why? What is that? One, let's pretend. It, let's <laughs> pretend it was a nice, friendly place to be. Uh, why? And then it's like now you're going to go to an even like. Well, apparently it's a nice, happy, little, quiet. No, spot actually, Tennessee is from. actually quite pleasant and yeah. beautiful, and the country and the mountains, and you know, there's a lot of that southern hospitality. Mm-hmm. That's a real. That saying means something to most southern people. You have your sex of bigotry and racism so. anywhere in the country, but. It's a beautiful place. Do you find yourself mentoring like you, the younger and brand new trans performers again in, or do you not have the time to? Well, you know, um, I am lucky enough, I think, to be seen as someone who's legendary to a lot of mm-hmm. uh, young women in my industry. And um, I have been able to be 
a friend and give some advice to a few people that I thought were great people that could accelerate their career and uh, give them some tips to skip a lot of the BS, you know? Um, and I've met some great women through Lainey who I've also learned a lot of things from. So I'm still consistently learning. I'm not at the top of my game, even though everyone seems to think so with the, the awards, the nominations, I feel like I have a lot more growing myself to do, but yeah, sometimes. Where do you think you still need growth? Um, and, 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 and that could be in the industry or not. Uh, well, definitely learning more about the technology advances and seeing what the younger generation in my community are doing and how they're expanding um, their fan bases and their careers and their independence. I learned that, you know, these different apps through seeing the younger girls do it because in my time that we didn't do those kind of, we didn't need yeah. to. We had companies that did that for us. So I learned that from them. Um, and I'm still learning to be a little bit more savvy and take more control of, of my branding and my career. And um, yeah, I learned stuff too. I'm still learning lighting, as you, as you learned <laughs> you earlier. Stop learning. It's time to move on. You know, you can't learn something from some, you know, from someone then, or your, your job, your industry, whatever it is. And you're just be like, you're at a plateau. Then what's the point? Is there, is there like some sort of platform that you're still being like, I don't fucking know. Like, wow. <laughs> I, like me, Snapchat. Like, I, no, I'm, I'm not trying this. I can't, I try, I had Snapchat for like six months when it was only about nudes. I took a break for a year. I came back. <laughs> there were stories and filters like, eh, um, no, no, thank you. I'm mm -hmm. by. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to learn. I'm willing, I'm willing to learn anything that's going to make me big money. Okay. So okay. yeah, we'll put it like that. <laughs> Build, building the empire, building, building the empire. Building the empire, stacking that money. Yeah. So wait, so wait, back to when you, you opened up this company when you were 20 or this My boutique. boutique yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you finally go like, I missed that rush too much and like, I want in. Not just like maybe I do a, a shoot here and there, but like, you know what? I, I want in. Well, I got married very young. Okay. Um, and my husband was a very wealthy, older gentleman. And my family kind of pushed and organized that marriage to happen. And I was in a very, I guess, controlled environment where I was watched all the time. Like, uh, of course, I had everything. I had many homes and cars and millions in jewelry that I was always decked out. And so you said mi millions? Oh, yes. He owned jewelry companies. He, I would wear... $500,000 necklace to the grocery store because I wasn't allowed to go anywhere and wear the things Wow! unless I was going to, you know, galas or things like that. So I, I enjoyed being a wife and trying to, you know, learn that part of myself, but it was very restrictive. And I missed that sense of freedom that I got, that rush of being a little bit of a wild girl, you know, not being told what to do or expected to behave in a certain way all the time. Of course, I'd like to be elegant and be a lady, but there's sometimes that I just want to be myself when I was young. You know, and this person was much older than me. So um, I missed having that freedom to just explore my sexuality and speak to my fans and, you know, be in front of the camera and create. That's really what it was about. And I wasn't feeling like I was able to create, because even though I had my store and I got to have a beautiful openings and deal with beautiful, amazing clientele and travel all around the world for fashion weeks, mm. I was kind of stifled in feeling like I was being creative. Because it was more of a controlled situation where, yes, I was a figurehead boss. Sure. I wasn't the boss of myself. And it was more like I missed that. And so I went back into it. Right. But he supported me. You know, he supported me. He was there on I was set gonna when I launched my first site. My, or actually, when I launched the site, he was there with me when I shot my first scenes and um, made sure that the industry, the people that I worked with, took good care of me. And, you know, um, I was spoiled in that way. I had someone always watching out for me. And allowing me to have that creative expression. I wasn't having sex on camera with other people at that time. Okay. My site launched what were you, what were strictly you doing? with glamorous solos. I had okay. My site launched for two and a half, maybe three years when it was just 
solos. And that's what my fans wanted. They wanted to talk to me like I was talking to them on camera, just mm. them, directly, interacting with them. And so I just did beautiful, glamorous solos where I just created amazing kind of backgrounds. And it was awesome. And by solos, just so I'm, solos are just like solo being there, being, oh, solo masturbation scenes. Yeah. Uh, J, what do you call it? J-O-I's? Jack Hoffman. Yeah. Jack Hoffman. I went through such a heavy. I was like one of the original girls doing those. I didn't know what it was called. Now I do. <laughs> I went through such a heavy J-O-I phase. Mm-hmm. I want to say like end of high school through like most of college. I don't know what it was, but like, man, for you. Ye- like to hear a girl tell you what to do. I mean, I certainly love that. Oh gosh, um, but but for some reason that was like very specifically the porn for just like a very long time. I liked countdowns. Okay. But then, uh, but the problem was countdowns would also get uh, used with like all those uh, the ruined orgasm people who okay. were doing those types of JYs. Where like we're gonna count down to ten, but at one, I'm at two, I'm gonna say actually no, you don't get to come. Oh gosh. Bye. And right. So like, but it doesn't tell you if it's a ruined one. Mm-hmm. So every time I'm doing it, I'm like, please don't let this one be a ruined one. Cause like, I actually do want to come. Like, I don't want, I'm not into this humiliation thing. Like my point. <laughs> so uh, it was always like, oh, hmm, hmm. But, oh, love those. Okay. Yeah. What, what, That's what my we, biggest seller on OnlyFans right now. That's what they love. Yeah. They love that. You got any, got any like little trick? They or- just constantly ask me, just tell me what to do. Just make a JOI, just anything. Do you have like a favorite you like to do most often when you're doing JOIs? Oh, what do you mean by favorite? I don't know. It's like a like a thing you like to say or something you like to do in in them in particular. You'll just have to watch one day. <laughs> always, <laughs> always, always the seller. That's the upsell right there. And I don't yeah. ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> You just, you just did what I do when like someone slides in my DMs or someone goes like, hey, can I like – I'd like to see your cock. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you can go to my Patreon and uh, you can oh. join at $10 a month. You get access to the there Patreon. You have it. And I possibly oversaturate uh, see, my I'm, cock I'm, on there. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, I think I might be like one of the only male comedians where like some people for some reason want to see me naked. Um, they have your cock on their DMs. They do. They do have that uh when you're in the kick group, you do get that. <laughs> I would put them on Patreon to be honest, but Patreon has this weird thing. They they will let you put soft penises. That's you weird. can't have hard penises. Okay. So like I had a I had a scene like uh I want to say like a month or two ago where this woman like had me blindfolded and she was um doing some torturing stuff to me. She's a sadist and I was like, "Let me let me try this." And I learned not That's a masochist, not, not my thing. But um, at one point, she's um, she's tying my dick up, and okay. you know, she's tying the balls where I'm like I can, I'm like I know what this looks like as I feel it, and then she starts tying the shaft. I'm like I have no idea what this looks like. So okay. I was like, please take pictures. So she does, and uh, and yeah, this like beautiful hard cock one where I'm all roped <laughs> up on it. Like I had to, I can't put it on there. So I there's a there's a picture of my soft penis tied up in rope <laughs> on Patreon. But you can't post hard ones. It's such an arbitrary rule. Like, ban the dicks or don't. But, like, don't make me have – I literally had to send an email to their support to be like, hi, I would like to not have my Patreon taken down. So I'm asking you, here's a photo. and But I I can't show the photo. (laughs) Not that I can't. It's just like I didn't want to bombard some random support person. Yeah, I'd be like, hey – uh, it's so I'm like describing in great detail the photo. It's like is a uh, is a flaccid penis with purple rope tied around it, and there's a hand holding it, but it's not stroking it. It's just like holding it, like it's presenting it, like it's a dessert, That's you so know. Silly. Um, just so I can find out if it's allowed. <laughs> so silly. And I I like to think that was the most interesting support question that that whoever read it uh, probably ever had the received. best laugh ever. And shout out to everyone. 
They were like, yeah, all like they showed everyone like, huh, this is hilarious, but also what is the policy? I don't know. Right. Can we tell them, give them a response for that? <laughs> yeah, it's like I like to speak to your manager about my penis. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh my goodness. <laughs> is there anything you're looking forward to doing? Is there something in your career you still want to do and you just haven't done or realized or had the opportunity to do yet? I mean, you seem like the type of person who uh doesn't wait for an opportunity but creates it. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious if there's something you're like, ah, I still wanna or a person I'm like, oh I want to shoot with and um for me I think it's um no I don't have any of those yet. No, you I, d- you did the things you want to do. I did the things I wanted to do so far. I, I don't have any regrets on the stuff that I've shot and I have the name now that if I wanted to work with any particular performers all I have to do is ask. Yeah. And now we all shoot content together because we all have our own different apps that we work on. So. Yeah, um, like uh, they call it trades, right? Yeah, content trade. Yeah, and so instead of being like saying paying, like hiring someone to do a shoot with you, you can shoot. It's like, oh my God, is someone dying? I don't know. It's like, I'm going to blow up. <laughs> but is it, uh, yeah, the concept of a, co- do you want to explain like the concept of a content trade versus say like just hiring someone to shoot for your site? Well, if you content trade, you both own it. And if you you know, shoot it yourself, you own the content. Yeah. So no one makes any profits on it, hopefully, except for the person who owns the content. There's a difference in that. But pretty similar. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't uh, realize some of like the ins and outs of like, you know, shooting porn or producing and all that ownership stuff. I mean, there's still a lot of people who don't understand the problem with tube sites. Um, in the same way, there's people who don't understand that you shouldn't record comedians at comedy clubs, but whatever, that's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, I think people still, and I, I personally, I just nerd out on that type of stuff. You seem so comfortable just sitting there where a flash goes off and I'm just like, oh fuck, look cool and dynamic. <laughs> Get a hand up. Um, I just, I just praise and smile. That's it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's helpful when you look the way you do me. I'm just like, I feel like I got to do something to add to whatever this situation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, but I'm nervous. I'm getting that anxiety, that, that feeling for the red carpet where you're in front of all those cameras. So now I'm kind of just like, you still get nervous uh, for, for AVN red carpet, Oh, any red carpet, anything to do with being around lots and lots of people. I get anxiety so bad. So I get nervous. I'm like, how to get ready. (laughs) You'd rather watch the AVN like safely from home with like a couple of friends than be in like surrounded no, by a shit ton of people I, or? I like to be i love interacting with the photogs i've known many of them for mm-hmm. so long i love like being glamorous on the carpet i just don't like being around all the people at one time I, I like to be in control i don't have any control in that that way well then what was your first avian expo like where like not because the red carpet at oh, least like it was amazing a- though it was amazing i think it was at manly bay mm-hmm. and it was like before any of the recession stuff and then we were like I learned that I was in love with the industry because it was like rock star status. Sure. Like the longest fan carpets. Um, you know, they had security everywhere, these giant entrances for us to come through. That was just amazing. Like my first one was addicting. So was what, did you feel so rock star that the anxiety you, so you forgot that you were nervous? Yeah, at that time I was I was just that way i just i was curious and adventurous and it was like a new little adventure right. but because it's not as big and loud or something that well, i wasn't i, mean, I wasn't I'm nominated curious. you know okay. what i mean it was my first time now it's like i'm there representing a brand i'm uh, around my peers now you know the people that i actually know and um i don't know just a lot of different factors that's so interesting like like you're and tell me if i'm wrong it, it's like there was lower stakes so you could enjoy and have fun right now you're representing something big and mm-hmm. so there's more expected it's, I put a lot of pressure on myself okay. just naturally. Because similarly, like if I'm like at some bar show doing like stand up, like I don't care. And there's low stakes. And honestly, See? I have way better it. sets. I have a better set than if it's like 
a, a high, like a high, like I don't know if I know someone's there or if I if I'm taping it. That's the big one. If I'm ever trying to tape a set, I never get a good tape. When I'm not taping, I have great sets. Okay. It's you know it's so it. it you put so, a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, very interesting. Well, I better get myself ready. All right. Well, uh, you know, Mia, thanks so much for chatting with me. And where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and OnlyFans. That's the T H E Mia M I A. Isabella, I-S-A-B-E-L-L-A. That's the Mia Isabella. Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans. And if you want to send me a naughty little snap, T.S. Mia Isabella. T.S. Mia Isabella. Thank you so much for talking to us. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Maybe I should get an OnlyFans account. Who knows? I've thought about it. Okay. I just, I've got ideas in the works. I just, I just want to confirm them that I'm never going to be on a ABC or, or the Disney channel before I, I start throwing my dick around on the internet again. Um, go check out Mia Isabella and her work. Uh, might I recommend checking it out at hotmovies.com? Hey, promo code manhorn. Let us know what you thought about this week's show. Love to get your comments, your criticisms, your questions, all that stuff. You can tweet at me at thebillypresida. Or you can make a comment on the Man Whore Podcast Facebook page. If you prefer email, I know I do. Shoot me an email at manwhorepod at gmail.com. I am back on the Instagram, so start heading on, let's start getting those follows back over there, okay? I know you used to follow the old one. Now I got the new one. I know it's a whole lot of work to take out your phone and go follow me on a new account. But that's what Instagram's making you do. So go take go right now. Go to Instagram. Follow me at Billy is Prasita. Not official Billy Prasita, not at Billy Prasita, not at the Billy Prasita, not Man Whore Podcast. It's Billy is Prasita. Don't blame me that all the good Billy Prasita handles were taken. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I really want to meet you all at Man Whore Con, and I mean all of you. Thousands. I want thousands of people come to Man Whore Con that I literally don't know what to do with you. We're, we'll have our own fucking Comic Con weekend. How's that? Go to manwhorepod.com slash weekend. Get your weekend pass today. Come solo. Come with a partner. Come with a few partners. You'll leave with a whole bunch of new friends. Again, manwhorepod.com slash weekend. Last but certainly not least, join our fan whore community on Patreon. Yeah. You want to connect with some of the people that you're going to see at ManwhoreCon. You're going to want to join up on the Patreon. You want to going to get in that champagne room so you can start connecting, getting to know everybody. It's a super active, very vibrant community. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Join today. By next week, I expect you all to have seen either or Game of Thrones or Avengers because I, pr- I, I will not promise to not spoil anything moving forward, okay? You, you're going to have... That's plenty of lead time. That's over 10 days. That's almost two weeks. Get the fuck on board. Gendry is my one true king. Stay slutty!